teams. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Don't you love it when Greg leads? He just does it with such enthusiasm. It's awesome. And uh, Abby and Nikki, thank you so much. They stepped in last minute, and you guys just did such a wonderful job this morning. Just thank you for leading us. I'd like to call today Lifehouse COVID edition, you know, because, uh, you know, we just, it's, it's just such an interesting time where we have so many people that are battling all kinds of different illnesses and things. But for those of us who are able to come that are healthy and, and able to be here this morning, it is great to have you here this morning. And for those that are online with us, it's uh, great to be uh, with you online, even though we're not in person with each other. Well, before I start, let's just, just take a second and uh, just center ourselves on Jesus. I mean, we did that with worship, but let's, let's just really right now set our minds on him. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you. I thank you for your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us. I thank you for the sacrifice that you made on, on all of our behalf to once and for all conquer sin and death. I thank you but by the very act of what you did that we have been washed clean. We have been uh, made holy. We have been made righteous. Not by our own efforts, not by our, our own merit, but simply because of what you did. And that is the center of our faith. Our hope is in you, Lord Jesus, and what you accomplished at the cross, that you were the Son of God, and that you truly did conquer sin and death on our behalf, and that we once again are united with God because of you. Because of you. That is the simplicity of our faith. You know, it's where our faith is meant to be. It's where, uh, where our hope is meant to be. In Jesus Christ and, and Jesus Christ alone. It's interesting because, you know, both Christians and non-Christians in this world, we tend to put our hope in three things. You know, that I matter because of what I'm accomplishing. That I matter because of how morally I live. Or that I matter because of the goals that drive me. But actually, as followers of Jesus, none of those things are what we are to put our hope in. You know, it's, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, the things we live in this world that, you know, the more uh, it's, you know, it's, it seems stable for a while, but the more we look at it, the more unstable it seems. You know, just crazy things in, in the news whether it's what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine and, you know, the possibilities of that to COVID and the instability that's going on around the world because of that, or you name the different things. 
You know, if, we've lived, if you've lived here in Canada for any period of time, we've had a long decades of, of general stability. This has probably been one of the more destabilizing times with, with COVID. But then there's all kinds of other things, right? I read in the news yesterday, detached house in Mississauga, 1.8 million, you know, is the average price now. And, and you look at that and just go like, this is nuts. This is crazy. You know, this, the world we live in. And, and and it can become discouraging, frankly, when you look at all those different things. If, if our hope is in government, then right now it's, it seems a little hopeless. If our hope is in, you know, the relations between government, then things can seem a little hopeless. If our hope is in the housing market or the hope is in the, uh, anything, really, of the, this unstable world, then our, our hope will be going up and down. And it's really important that we understand what hope is, right? Because we speak of hope in many different ways. Like we'll say, I hope I win the lottery, you know? And, and that is like, I, I wish that would happen. But biblically, the hope, it was an anchoring thing. When you said that you had hope, you know, and when you see that in the Bible, that our, our, that our hope is to be in Jesus, it's not this thing of, well, I, I'm, I'm, I wish that was the case, but it's actually a, an anchoring thing that we know and we trust and that, that this is true. It's like an undeniable thing for us. That's what hope is meant to be when we use this word hope. Not it could happen, it might happen, uh, I'm, I, I, I'd like it to, but I don't know if it will. It's that it's a confident assurance, this word hope. We have a confident assurance that Jesus conquered sin and death at the cross. A confident assurance that we've been made righteous, holy, we've been set apart, we've been washed clean, our sins have been washed away because of Jesus Christ. When our flesh doesn't line up with the truth of that, our hope is what's happened at the cross and that our spirits are seated right now at the right hand of the Father. That we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Our hope is not in this lifetime, but it's in eternal life. We want to experience the realities of that eternal life now, absolutely. But our hope is not in what goes on around us. And it's so important, you see, because Christian hope, it's, there's, there's a couple of stories that are important. And one is just the overarching story of Scripture. You know, and it's understanding that overarching story of Scripture is that God made order out of chaos. And that's what he did. He created the earth out of nothing, out of this, this universe that he's created. He created this world. He created the earth. And he, you know, as the creator... You know, created, as we see in Genesis, all the animals, the land, the seas, all these different things, and he put man here to reign, to rule. And, you know, we took that, but we rebelled against God and threw things back into chaos again. But God had a plan, and that plan was Jesus, that God himself would come into this broken world. I mean, he walked with people even before he came and broke into this world, you know, in the flesh. But he came in the flesh and he conquered sin and death, bringing a bit of order back into this chaotic world. But this world, as it is right now, is still under the influence of that chaos. It's still under the influence of evil. It's still under the influence of Satan. And reality is the majority of the world is still affected that way. But our hope, in our final hope, is that there will be a time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth that will no longer be affected 
by sin and death anymore. And that new heaven and new earth comes at the return of Christ. But for those of us living right now, we live, as it says in Scripture, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. What does that mean? It means that these chaotic things can affect us, right? We're not, we're not in a bubble of COVID protection where everything just, where life just return, goes on as normal for those of us. No, we're in this world. We're affected by everything that's going on around us, everything that's going on in society around us, everything that's going around with people around us. We're affected by those things. But despite all those things, you know, they don't affect our spirits. They don't affect who we are. They don't affect what God has done for us. They don't affect where we're going. They are source of peace, our source of joy, our source of contentment. If it's grounded in Christ, if it's grounded in God, then it is not going up and down all over the place based on the circumstances around us. And that, my friends, is you know, part of our journey of, of learning to live in faith and trust. And it's a journey, you know, I, don't, I certainly do not get this one right all the time. I, I can go up and down. I can, I can have the stuff that around me affecting me, affecting my emotions, right? I can, I can start losing hope. You know, I can start losing, like if I start looking at the world, like, oh man, how is this ever going to happen? How is that ever going to happen? You know, and you know, it's not, it's not wrong for us as Christians to have plans. You know, it's not wrong to plan in our life. It's not, those, these are, that's not a sinful thing to do for us. But we've got to plan without putting our hope in the outcome of those plans. And it's going, hey, as best as I understand, this is what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, my life is God's. And my hope is not in the outcome of these different things. My hope is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Now, you look at Shidrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you know that story from the Old Testament. And here they were. They'd been taken in captivity in, in Babylon there. And they, they were told they had to bow down and worship the king of Babylon. And they're like, no, we're, we're not going to do that. And so he takes them. He's like, well, you know, I'm going to have to throw you in a fiery furnace then. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you have to do something because you won't worship me as as if I'm God. And they're like, well, you know, you can throw us in that furnace, and if if you know, God God could rescue us from that. He may not, though. But either way, He's still our God, regardless of the outcome of this situation. You know, God is still God, and He will not change. You know, and we know how that story goes: that Jesus was in that furnace with them; the flames didn't touch them. You know? But I, there's. There's many times where we see examples of people that are saying, I guess, God, you know, my life is yours. The disciples, you know, the apostles, they followed Jesus and most of them died. But their hope wasn't in the length of their life. Their hope was in eternal life. You know, they, they were, when I say they died, I mean, we all die. They died, uh, they were killed for their faith. So their hope wasn't, if their hope was in the length of their life, if their hope was in, was in everything going well and fine, man, that would have been a real faith-shattering experience. But we, we know from the different accounts that actually they, they you know, lived joyfully through the difficulties, knowing where their hope truly was. And this is so important for us. Right? Especially, especially in these times and the instability, all the different things that are, that are going on around us. 
Hope, it allows us to keep our bearings in turbulent seas. It's the assurance that the chaos we experience in the world will not win, but God's purposes will overcome. In this way, hope is inexorably linked to faith. You remember the last time I preached, if you were here, I I gave an example that was by a theologian, Henry Nouwen. And he he looked at trapeze artists in a circus. And he's like, man, what a wonderful example of, of faith and hope and trust. He said, you know, most of the, again, if you've ever seen trapeze artists that are doing their aerial things, you've got, you've got one person swinging that, that's, that's catching and another person that's swinging and they're like letting go and flipping and doing all these acrobatic stunts, none of which I would be able to perform for you, you know, but they, they do all these things. But that person that's doing all those, those acrobatic stunts can only do them fully trusting in that person's ability to catch them. Fully trusting that that catcher will catch them. And, you know, when I was talking about it last week, was talking about the fact that when, when that flyer lets go of the bar, you know, that hope is what the flyer experiences as they soar through the air. It is the assurance that the catcher will catch him before he sees the catcher's hands or feels his grip. Said that wrong. The first part is the faith. The faith is to let go. Right? First part is faith. They, let, they can let go in faith that there's a catcher there. The hope is the confidence assurance that after they let go, they will be caught. That they will be caught. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So the other piece, there's that overarching story you know, of Scripture from beginning to end. We know God wins. There will be a new heaven. The story, end of the story has already been written. We know what's going to happen. There's no question of the, whether there will be a new heaven and a new earth one day. It will happen. So in this, you know, there, God will win in the end. He will triumph over evil. And he's already triumphed over evil at the cross. So while at the very end there'll be a new heaven and, over earth, and new earth, our hope is in what Jesus did at the cross, and that despite the fact that there's still this you know evil in this world, there's still this chaos in this world that that we're in the world and not of it because of Jesus. Which means our end of our story is already written, and it's not just about the end of our story. We're not just holding on till we get to heaven, but we can go through the chaos of this world holding on to Jesus. Holding on to Him. When, our, when we're not as concerned about the outcome, when we're holding on to Christ, that's where our peace comes from. That's where our hope comes from. Hope, it requires a sense of purpose and dignity. A belief that we matter and that our life has value. But in a world of chaos, this hope cannot come from our circumstances. Our ability to control and maintain circumstances is just too feeble. What brings a person value, significance, and hope is not what he does, but whom he does it, with whom with he does it. The call to live in continual communion with God 
means that every person's life, no matter how mundane, is elevated to sacred heights. Sky Jethry, in his book, With. This is so important. You know, our union with God, the fact that we, you know, Jesus prayed in John 17, may you be one, may we be one with God as Jesus is one with him. This is where our hope and our significance, it's where our peace, it all comes from, that we are actually united with Christ. That the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, he lives inside of you. He is with you. Right? That you carry the Spirit with you all the time. That we can live a life of ceaseless prayer because at any moment we can be like, hey, Lord, help me. Let's try that right now. Lord, just, just speak to people here right now about maybe worries that they've come in with or circumstances or things that are going on. Would you remind them that you're there, that you're with them, whether they're here in the room or they're watching online? This thing of putting your hope and your faith in Jesus, it sounds simple, sounds good. The walking out of that thing is, is sometimes a lot harder than we think. It's in letting go in control. In order for our hope to be in our union with Jesus, it means we've got to let go of the outcomes. We've got to let go of how we want things to be the way we want to do. We can't both be in control and God be in control. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a shared thing. It's either, either the creator of the universe is in control or we are. Now, logic and reason should tell us that it's better for the creator of the universe to be in control. But our flesh does not like that. When I talk about our flesh, I'm not talking about my skin. I'm talking about that, that part of us, right? That, the part of us that has been trained up in the ways of this world, you know, the, the parts of our soul that are still very much affected by this world, and they say, I want to be in control. It's the same very part of our nature that had Adam and Eve eat the apple in the garden, and the very thing that still can come alive and well in our life when we are not bringing it under submission Jesus. And if we're honest, especially living in a Western culture like we do, we really like being in control. Not necessarily control of other people, that can come as part of it, but we like being thinking we're in control of our own lives. And that we ultimately get to dictate the outcome of things. And letting go of that Letting go of that is tough, if we're honest. Letting go of the ability to be like, yeah, no, I'm going to be the one that makes my own way. And because there, there, true faith comes in. Do I really trust that God is good? 
do I really trust that what he has for me is the best? Do I really trust that he's going to take care of me and my family or you know, whoever is around us? Do I really trust him? And, and that level of trust requires an intimacy, requires us being that intimate that we would hear his voice, that we would know him, right? That we would know his direction and his leading in our lives. But that type of union is truly the goal of Christian faith, that we would be one with Christ. We put all kinds of scaffolding around that in our, with our religious practices, right? We put all kinds of things that actually protect us you know, we create systems to protect us from actually having God in control, to give us the illusion that God's in control, but we are still very much the ones in control. Now, that's often what religion does. You know, when I say religion, you know, in the things, religion just by its very definition is, is how we're trying to relate to God. But when we create religious systems and institutions and organizations, um, yeah, of course, right now we're doing a religious thing. But our, our goal here isn't to create an organization. Our goal here is to follow Jesus and to be a community of people that will support each other in that, in God being formed in our lives, Christ being formed in each and every one of us, that he would be stronger than our flesh, that he, the spirit of God in us, would be what would be taking over each and every one of our lives, that it, that spirit would be more important you know, in, in us than our comforts, our desires, are the outcomes that we think should happen, that we're okay with God because we know that he's good. We know that he's good and that this very thing that I'm speaking of that may be like, ah, wrestling in our flesh, that we would get to the place where we're like, why would I want to be in control? Why would I want, any, why would I want anything other than Christ, you know, in control of my life? Again, we, I say that, and sometimes we can think that's like a robot, right? Like, where it's like, what do you mean? That God's going to make all my decisions? He's going to tell me what to do? I'm just a robot, a remote control person, and just do what I'm programmed to do by God? No, you always have free will. That never goes away. It's this thing of us surrendering control and doing life with Jesus because we know that he's good. We're convinced that he's good. We're convinced that what he has is way better than what we can achieve ourselves. I'm not sure if I read this already. I'll read it again if I did. Pete Scazzaro in Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, he says, the goal of Christian life is loving union with God to allow God and his will to have full access to every area of our lives. This loving union with God is a oneness that is best understood by the analogy of marriage in which two people become one flesh and yet also remain, remain separate from one another. This is the answer to Jesus' prayer. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be in us also. This, this level of trust, of, of hope, in God, of surrender to Him, it requires that we detach from this world. Detaching in that, and I say that, detaching, don't, you know, it can come up all kinds of different things in our mind, but it's what Jesus talks about, you know, and what Scripture talks about when, he, when Jesus says, 
in Mark 8, 35 to 36, that for whoever wants to save their life, they will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What, what's good is for someone, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I'm going to read that again without stuttering over the words. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. And this detaching from the world, does it mean you're going to have to live a life of poverty? No. Does it mean you're going to live a life of riches? No. It's going to mean you're going to live the life that God set out for you to live, directed by Him. Does it mean you have to, does, you know, none of this is to say that you have to be in full-time ministry or that you have to be, you know, this detaching from the world means you're giving up your job or you're, all these different things. It's that you're just putting no value in that thing. That your hope is not in your job. Your hope is not in your career. Your hope is not in your education. Your hope is not in the value of your home, your bank account, your retirement savings, or all those things because they can be wiped out tomorrow like that. It can be gone. Right? It's where we, they, they, there is no, I mean, people, many of you have immigrated from other countries. You know what it is like. You know where you, you know, number of people here that I've known over the years, you know, come, they came from a country, you know, where they had servants, they had drivers, they had staff, you know, and then they come and they have to make their bed and wash their dishes for the first time in their life. Right? And that, it's, that's, uh, it's, it's funny, but that's shocking, right? Like if you're the person experiencing that, that's a massive life change. That's a massive change in your, in your life. And there's, there's, that's just one example. You know, if you lived through, if you're an American that lived through the housing crisis in 2008, it seems so long ago, you know, suddenly your house lost its value by 50%. If you're, you know, there's, again, I don't know, do houses that are $1.8 million right now going to retain their value? Do they crash? If our hope is in that, what, you know, then we're going to be all over the place. Our hope can just be in Jesus. So that whatever we have in this world, we hold very loosely. That if we have much, we're like, okay, Lord, thank you that I have much. What do you want me to do with it? If we have little, we don't see ourselves as less valuable because we have little. In, in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 29 to 32, actually just before this, Paul writes some pretty astounding things. And he talks about the fact that whatever state you were called to Christ in, you don't need to change that state. And he goes on and says, like, look, if you were a slave, you know, then stay a slave. But if you can gain your freedom, get it for sure. But if you, if you, if you can't, then don't let that bother you. If if you were free, you stay free. If you were Jewish, in case he says, if you were circumcised, then you're circumcised. If you were uncircumcised, you're not circumcised, referring to Jew and Gentile. It's like you don't have to change that. You don't have to change your physical body. You don't have to change what your state in society that you were called. That stuff doesn't matter. You are now a child of God. Then he writes in verse 29, he says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is this, is that time is short. For now on, those who have wives should live, live as if they do not. 
Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I want you to be free from concern. And that's what it really comes down to. I mean, it's the same passage that Paul writes about marriage, and we can get really confused about this. He's like, well, is he saying that you shouldn't get married? And, and Paul's simply saying, look, if you're married, stay married. If you're not married, then don't worry about getting married. Stay in what, whatever is going to get in the way of, of you and Jesus. Don't do it. But also don't get freaked out if these things are in your life. So it's not that it's better to not be married or better to be single. It's better to do whatever it is that's going to allow you to stay unconcerned about those different things and be focused on Jesus. Right? So that when you are in your career, whatever that may be, or job, or school, or all these different things, you go, this is not the thing of value. Now, use an example. When I say that, though, like Lee was doing law school, and she didn't want to finish Lee, was, Lee did when she was in South Africa law school, and she didn't want to finish it. She's like, I don't know, there's really a point in finishing this. And she went to the leaders of the church and the eldership, and they just really prayed. They're like, no, we really feel you're supposed to finish law school. And she didn't really want to go through that process, but she did. She's like, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue this. And if she hadn't finished law school, she never would have come to Canada. So she finished law school, practiced law for a year, and never practiced it again. You know? If... if being the lawyer was the thing that was more important to her than what God was calling her to, she'd never be here. We wouldn't be married. Joel and Seth wouldn't be there, right? Maybe this church wouldn't even exist. So the holding loosely, I mean, that's a big thing to hold loosely, law school, right? Big thing to hold loosely at the end of the day, but for the grace of God. And, and do we, are we willing to let go of whatever it is that we think is important to respond to what God says is important, to follow him and do what it is that he's asking us to do. I know, man, there's people here that have made huge sacrifices. You know, sacrificed all kinds of different things. Sacrificed going down a particular career path and changed it because they recognized God was saying, that's not the way to go. There's so many different things that people have sacrificed. So in some ways, I'm speaking to people that already know this. But I'm reminding us, especially in these crazy times, that our hope is not in any of these things. It's in Jesus alone. And we can trust that God is good and that God really will take care of us. That taking care of us may not look the way we think it should or the way we want it to, but he will take care of us. You know? And that he knows how to give good gifts to his children. He knows how to lead us and we can put our hope and faith and trust in him. Because he is good. He is good. You know, he's the good so that Richard and Lynn could hold on for seven years. Seven years. Like that's instability. Seven years without status. You know, of like not not they didn't have they weren't here legally, but seven years without permanent residency, a status that says you get to stay. You know, you can put down roots. You know, but here on on just temporary work permits, not knowing. Will we still be able to be here next year? You know, and, and many of you have similar stories. I don't know where you'll be in five years. Will you be here in Mississauga? Will you be in a different part of the world? Will you be a different part of the country? 
Will we be meeting together? No idea. What's next week going to look like? Well, we think we'll be in the theater. Yeah. What's six months from now? People are like, what are you going to be doing in September? I'm like, I don't know. How do I know? I know if anything, these last couple of years has told us, I have no idea what next month is going to look like. So let's just hold on, you know? Let's just go. But while it's, it's taught, I, I know this season, this time has taught me that it's okay to let go. That we don't have to have the plan. That we don't have to be in control. Actually, it's all just an illusion. Not true. We're not in control. We really are not. And that's okay. Because when I look around me at the different people that don't know Jesus, man, they are afraid. They are scared. They are, mental health in our society is going through the roof, right? People are like lack of mental, you know, anxiety, depression, fear. These things are, are endemic in our society at this moment in time because people that thought they were in control discovered they weren't. We can, and, and if, if you thought you were in control, found out you weren't in control and have nothing else to hold on to, man, I don't know how you get through the storms of life. I don't know how you do it without Jesus. That's where my peace is. It lets me sleep at night. Yeah, it lets me quell anxiety or fear. It's okay, Jesus, you are in control and I can trust you. But the biggest wrestle that I've gone through and I know all of us, just the wrestle that we have to go through is the thing that I get to dictate the outcome. That that peace is so important for us to truly embrace what God has for us. When we are okay with not dictating the outcome of something, that God gets to dictate the outcome, then we can truly abandon ourselves to Him. Really and truly. Mary, I'm going to finish with this story. Mary, mother of Jesus, talk about having to let go and trust God with the outcome. Who is going to believe that you are a virgin and you are pregnant? In a society where it would be fine to stone you, or that. I mean, talk about having to let go and trust God with an outcome. Risking reputation, everything. Engaged, risking that marriage, risking everything. To say yes to God and be the vessel through which Jesus is brought into this world. That's what letting go of control looks like. Okay, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Well, let's pray. Lord, I just, I just pray for us today that the words that are meant to go in would, and that we would really be, Lord, you'd help us to let go of control. You'd help us to be okay that amidst the chaos of this world, that we would hold on to you and we would know that everything is going to turn out good that we would know you're good. We would trust you. We would trust letting go of the things of this world. We'd be like that trapeze artist and we'd be able to let go of the safety of that bar and fly through the air knowing you're going to catch us. Knowing you're good. 
knowing that as we learn to follow you more and more, you'll lead us in your ways. Help us with that peace. Where we don't have faith for that, Lord, give us faith. And Lord, just as we go about the week, I just pray your protection over everyone here, that they would grow in their knowledge of you and, their, and just how loving you are and how good you are, just how wide and how deep your love is. That each one of us, God, would just grow in that in every way. Amen. Back to you, sir. Yeah, James, thank you so much for that word this morning. Bless you. And uh, our, our prayer is that hopefully you're walking out of here today full of hope. And, and just as James said, I want to encourage you that hope is not a feeling. Okay, so as you go about your week this week and all of a sudden you find yourself going, oh, I've got anxiety again, or oh, there's this, this issue popping up and I don't feel hope. Hope's not a feeling. It's trust and confidence in God. Right? And so I want to encourage you, as God's spoken to you today, hold on to that word. If there are areas of your life where, where you, know, you, you felt stuck, ask God, what, God, what are you saying here? What's a better thought that I can believe and exchange for, you know, for your truth today that I can hold on to, that I could live out of a place of hope and faith and peace and joy within my life? So much of that surrender is just also an exchanging of our beliefs, you know, and let, letting that go and holding on to what he says. And our prayer is that every single one of us, we would be hope bringers. We would have hope to give away this week. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you guys, if you're new with us, the welcome table's over there. Again, we would love to get to know you and, uh, and hear your story and, and let you know how you can get connected at LifeHouse. If you are a parent, we absolutely love your kids, but uh, we'd ask that you would go and, and pick them up after the service. That would be great. They're at theater number two. Uh, okay. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Thanks for joining us today.